This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college sports fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, like I say every week, we've got a jammed pack show. Got a little bit of basketball. However, we're going to start the podcast off with, with your Illini football. Well, yeah, my Illini, but I was going to say college football making a cut. It, it, it can't let college basketball let all the line win. Can't let them have it. No, that would be absolutely rude. So, folks, how about this? Illinois football. Finally going to be good? I hope. Well, I hope. I'll tell you what. They're not going to be forced to do anything they don't want to do because who is now at the helm? Lovey Smith, former Chicago Bear coach, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer coach. Lovey Smith, the new coach of the Fighting Illini. And folks, let me tell you, Ricky sends me a message on Saturday night that... As I'm watching the North Carolina Duke game, he sends me a message, says, Is this real? Is this real? Could this be for real? And I look at it and I go, this guy, this this is, no, absolutely this is not happening. I'm not seeing anything on the on the scroll, uh, on the bottom, on the bottom just, line there. Because I just saw it on Facebook. I saw it like on Bleacher Report. It had, whoa, this is big. And then I go, and then I go online and I'm like, oh. I see it on NFL NFL mm-hmm. Net, um, NFL.com. It's one of the bottom real, bottom pieces. Yeah. And I and I and I say to Ricky, I said, This is not real. Ricky goes, Yeah, yeah, it is. It's on Fox, it's on this, it's on that. Yeah, and I'm like, your whole wow. thing, your whole thing was, I don't know, I haven't seen it on ESPN. I haven't seen it on the mothership. And I'm just sitting there. As up, some would call Aspen. Yeah, I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I'm just sitting here. I'm seeing it on CBS. I'm seeing it on Fox. And to me, my first thought was it was kind of like for wrestling fans. I'm going to quote The Rock here. Finally. Finally, winning could be coming back to Illinois. Finally. Well, I think that at least now you know the, what you're getting from the head coach position. You know what Lovey Smith brings. Oh, I know what he's going to bring right away. But we're so, gonna, do, but we're so do the, to, the other coaches and players. Yeah, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go to a good bowl game or possibly the college football playoff. We will lose that game. And then we will lose most of our games to either Purdue or Northwestern because he can't beat a rival. That's what's going to happen. Gets us to the big game. Do we win? Do we do good? Yes. Can't beat the rival. Can't win in the big game. NFC Championship game, Super Bowl, lost both of those. Couldn't beat the pack. So you sound pretty excited then. I, I, oh, here, listen, listen to me. Had. It's L- listen, better listen, than though, what listen, we had. Listen, though. Do you think... That Lovey Smith is the guy to turn around Illinois football. What do you think? As being a diehard Illinois fan, yes, you've got the. Listen, you've Would got you have na- been the first no, guy. No, no. Listen, listen, listen. I am not done yet, so you okay. cannot answer. Laying down the hammer. Then. Here is the question. Okay, Lovey Smith. He comes with the name recognition. Trust me, being a White Sox fan. Oh, you got Ken Griffey. Oh, he's going to retire in two years. Oh, you got Manny Ramirez. Oh, he's at the end of his career. We've got these some of these guys with name recognition at the trade deadline. <laughs> Doesn't do anything. You've got a guy now with Lovey Smith, name recognition, could turn it all around. But does he? 
I think he does. And what this is more importantly for me as an Illini fan, for the first time in, I can't believe I'm about to quote Frozen, but for the first time in forever, I've, I finally have a feeling of, yes, my AD, my school are all in. They are all in to make sure that we're going to have a winning program because when I even brought it up to Sean Anderson here of MVP, his first thought is, great, you want a mediocre coach who can't win in the big game? I said that earlier, like two seconds ago, joking. But the one thing that Lovey will bring us is credibility. And for so long, as an Illinois fan, I've sat here and watched coach after coach. Zucker was the last one. Ron Zook was the last one where I thought, man, this team, this team's pretty good. This team can do something. He leaves. We bring in Tim Beckman and Cubit. Even though I liked Cubit, he he would have fell into the same kind of category as Tim Beckman. I rather have Lovey Smith, who's had success in the NFL, has never had a head coaching job in college, but has had college jobs. He's had success in the NFL. And has the possibility to do the same thing at Illinois rather than, oh, we've got this guy who won the MAC championship with Western Michigan and Toledo. But then when he gets to the big stage of the Big Ten, and when I say that, I mean like a Power Five conference, and then <laughs> shits the bed. That's what I've seen for the past few years. Oh, yeah, you did great in Toledo, Tim Beckman, but then you're shit when you get to Illinois. You're, you're a defensive coach, but our defense sucked. Tell me how that is. So for once, like in my lifetime, I can look at Illinois and go, I can expect great things from this team, and Lovey's going to turn it around. Well, I think that one thing that Lovey Smith will bring is consistency. Mm -hmm. I think he will bring consistency. I think that also, I mean, I don't know how many would necessarily say flock there, but Mm -hmm. I think you'll get some more recruits now because it's Lovey Smith. I mean, you get to go and you get to potentially play for what was an NFL head coach. You know, he's he's been there. He knows mm-hmm. it. He knows the business. He's got some connections. You know, he. I, I think that that is attractive, and I think that that's part of the reason why Illinois wanted to go after him and ultimately got him there. I mean, I really think that he could bring in, just by his name recognition, more recruits and and most likely will for Illinois, which is one thing that they've been hurting on. They are not the top school to bring in recruits. When you look at the Big Ten, I don't even think they're close. Well, and here's the thing, then this is most important. As I was waiting for you in the parking lot to come over from work before we were recording this podcast, I, it was great that I was able to listen to Waddle and Sylvie had lovey on the show today. And one of the things they talked about was recruiting. How are you going to recruit? Because the NFL is a different game. In the NFL, it's, oh, I want this guy. I talk to him. I maybe bring him to our facility. I give him a contract offer, and virtually he has the decision to say yes or no. Also, in the NFL, you have a general manager that you have to answer to. And really, in some cases, it's the GM saying, here's your team. Where in college... You as the head coach, you're the guy who sets it up all yourself. You get to decide which players you want. You get to answer to no one. The way that um, Sylvie kind of 
described it on ESPN 1000 today was, you're the CEO of Illinois football. And one of the first things Lovey said that got me to buy in, maybe it's because that's this is the area from Illinois which I reside, but he made, we got to make a push for Chicago athletes. And my first thought was, yes. Y-E-S, yes, yes, yes. Because you can try to compete. The thing with Tim Beckman that always I never really got was why were we targeting Florida so much? That's SEC country. The top recruits from Florida aren't going to want to come to Illinois. Now, did we get a couple from Florida? Yeah, but that was our huge pipeline. And it always looked to me like, why are we looking at Florida when we've got athletes right here in Chicago, right here in Illinois? Also, another thing that they're linking to Lovey is because he's originally from Texas, maybe he can reel in some Texas recruits because Texas is one of the states high school football reigns supreme. And those are some of the guys that are always at the top of the recruiting boards. Well, I think another thing when you talk about Lovey Smith is that he he knows the base. Mm-hmm. He knows what it takes. He knows where these guys come from. And I think that's a, that's a huge thing. You cannot go away from what's going to work for you. You know, there's really, like you said, there's really no reason to go out to Florida, or at least as much as they were doing, Illinois football was mm-hmm. doing. You got to know what's going to work best. And that, for a big, big part, is keeping it right here, close to home. Because it makes the most sense. It's logical. Don't go away from what works. And Illinois, the last couple of years, they've has been a joke. They've, they've just not been good. We've and been maybe a jo- it's you, because they've you, lost. They've lost their way. You can say it, Brandon. We've been a complete joke. We've been the laughing stock of the Big Ten. Well. There's only Purdue's below us. Purdue's the laughing stock. No one's we're, laughing at Purdue we're, anymore. We're they're not, just they're just like that far. used to it. We're not that we weren't that far ahead of them though. And I mean, the one great season we had under Tim Beckman, woohoo! We were over 500 by a game. We were six and five, ended up six and six because we lost to Louisiana Tech and Little Holst in the Heart of Dallas Bowl that year. That was our best season under Tim Beckman. Well, it was time for a change, and Illinois realized that. Well, I, I don't think it was Illinois. I think it was the new a the new AD we've got. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm not Whitman. saying the yeah. whole state of Illinois. But I mean, Whitman came in, and to me, there were there's a lot of people that are criticizing this in a way because of one of the conversations I heard on the radio today here in Chicago was criticizing Whitman for his decision. To fire Cubit the way he did. Now Cubit is still going to get paid the money that he was supposed to earn this season. But there were some people saying, "Hey, you know what? This isn't ethically right from Whitman to come in immediately fire Coach Cubit and then say, "Hey, you know what? All these assistants that you've hired, bye bye. You're basically gone too because Lovey's going to want his own staff in." The way I saw it when I heard this on the radio was I'm sitting there going, if you're an AD and you came in, first off, it's fucking stupid to hire a head coach when you don't have an AD to give Cubit a two-year extension when you don't have an AD 
that is going to back him. And number two, why if you have a guy like Lovey in your back pocket like Whitman apparently had, why not go for it? Why not swing for the fences? Because we have sucked so long. I just want to be good again. I really want like I will I'll settle for almost winning our division. I'll settle for that. Just competing for the division. I just want to be in the talk. That's what I want as an Illinois fan. And I love I love this move. I love bringing Lovey in. The big thing when he was in Chicago was what kind of a man is he? He's a family man. It's all about the team and the team is a family. That's perfect for college. Perfect for young kids. Lovey's going to bring a culture to this team that we have not seen in some time. And may it be Rocky his first year? Yeah, a little bit. But he's going to get kids, high school kids, to buy into a system that will want to play for Lovey because he's been in the NFL. And really, when you're a high school kid, let's be honest, that's what you want. Most kids want to have an opportunity to play in the NFL. Whitman did what he needed to do. He came in and he saw that with what they had, Illinois was going to continue to be the same old, same old Illinois. Mm -hmm. He did something that not a lot of ADs would do on day one. He gets rid of Bill Cubitt and then hires Lovey Smith. Not too many ADs have that ability. Not too many ADs can pull off something like that. He did. He showed he had some balls. He did it. And why? Because he wants to see Illinois be successful. And because he knows the fans want to see them be successful yet again. That's a good AD. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's a sign of good things to come for Illinois football. And right now, honestly, Lovie Smith could probably go over and coach the basketball team as well. Well, I mean, don't even get me started on Illinois basketball right now. But, I mean, the one of the most interesting things that today when I saw the press conference for Lovey Smith, it kind of changed my eyes on some of the tweets that I saw from this past weekend. But, like, a few of them. Dudek, our wide receiver, love finding out about this through Twitter. Basically saying, I love finding out that uh, our coach got fired through Twitter. You got Chance Crouch, one of our quarterbacks. I'm refreshing my Twitter feed for updates on my own football team for crucial information. This is crazy. Kashawn Vaughn, running back. They tell Twitter before even telling the team, wow. That was stuff like when I saw it the weekend, I'm like, okay, okay, players are freaking out. This isn't good. But I feel like Lovey, just knowing, and what I saw from the players today, like, he got to talk to the team at 7, he was talking to the team at 7 a.m. Players are going to buy into Lovey's system. And he's going to have this team working. And, I mean, the last thing I feel like we got to talk with this one is, overall, what grade would you give for this hire from Whitman and the Illini and Brandon? I got to give this one a fat old A+. Plus. Swinging for the fences. All in. What I will tell my fellow Illini faithful is if Lovey loses the first big game that we have, don't, don't fear. Don't say like, oh, well, everything's over because 
you know, we lost the first game. Oh, he's a bum. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have hired him. No. We got to right the ship. It may not be the most successful right from the get-go, but it will get better under Lovey Smith. I'll give it an A-. minus. I'm, I'm really pretty impressed by the move myself. One thing why the minus, one reason why the minus mm-hmm. is there, Lovey really struggled to advance his team or his teams that he was given. We'll see if he can do that with Illinois. And the one thing, last thing I'll throw in on this one, we probably, Lovey most likely won't have a problem against Murray State in our opener on September 3rd. The big game for Lovey Smith, and I know that you're mostly, you're an Alabama fan when it comes to football, but this is your basketball team that we'd be playing. It's that game on September 10th when the North Carolina Tar Heels come to town because they embarrassed us last year. That's the game where if we can win that one with not Lovey's guys because it wouldn't be Lovey's recruits that would be playing for them, that'll make me go, okay, this is the right move. If we lose that game, then I'm on the side of, okay, we need Lovey's recruits. Either way, I'm all for the signing. I am all for Illinois possibly getting back to where I know, well, where I hope they can be in the future. And now, Brandon, we're going to move over to the hardwood and, more importantly, your favorite team in college basketball, the North Carolina Tar Heels. And this next segment on the podcast is going to be simple. The Tar Heels this past weekend getting their revenge for earlier in the season. Duke beat them. This weekend, the Tar Heels go ahead and beat the Dukies and Cameron for, I want to say, what was the first time in four years or eight years that they had won? In Cameron Indoor? Yes, it was because I think it was Bryce Johnson and Marcus Page. Neither one of them had ever won at Duke. So it's a big win for North Carolina. And after this win, we're going to be talking plain and simply. To the Tar Heels, is this win enough to solidify them as a one seed in March Madness? It has been, I think, in in my mind, and some people listening would go, 25 and 6 and you're saying this for North Carolina I really do think it's been a little bit of an up and down season they've had some stretches where they just didn't play well some games they did not play well that game on the road at Texas they lose 84-82 game on the road at Northern Iowa who we're going to talk about in a little bit they should they should have beat Texas the Northern Iowa game got away from them or as you said we'll allude to it did it is Northern Mm -hmm. Iowa a little bit better than that but then they had a rough week a couple of weeks back when they played at Louisville, lost, at Notre Dame, lost. Then they lost to Duke. But now, this last stretch, after they lost to Duke 74-73, they beat Miami, blow them out, beat NC State, lose to Virginia, beat Syracuse, and then beat Duke. This North Carolina team, I think, after this win over Duke, you don't play that well. You really mm-hmm. don't. Shooting wasn't that great. You had so many cold spells. You out-rebounded them, though, by about 50. You outplayed Duke, and you didn't play well. Mm-hmm. I really think that this North Carolina team now, after seeing them beat Duke in such a hostile environment, 
And after looking at what they've done in the last probably, I'd say, two weeks, I do think that this North Carolina team can be a number one. I do. I, I think that I really think the win against Duke solidifies it for me. But then how they play in the ACC tournament, which is huge and coming up, that is going to be really, really big. They play Thursday Mm -hmm. at 11. And, you know, it's going to be a big game. They're going to be either taking on Pittsburgh or Syracuse. Either one of those teams going to be big. But if they play well in the ACC tournament, Absolutely, without a doubt, a number one seed. Well, and the whole thing is, in order right now, and Joe Lenardi's bracketology, we have two ACC teams, I'm going to use a Lenardi term, on the top line. Two one seeds in Virginia and North Carolina. And on Saturday when I was watching some college basketball, they would bring in Lenardi in the middle of games. And it was after, I want to say, the North Carolina game, he goes, they bring him in, they go, okay, how's it looking right now? Or it was before North Carolina. He goes, well, you know, if North Carolina wins, they'll stay on the one line. Virginia's on the one line. He goes, but to be honest, after the ACC tournament, I don't think there's going to be two ACC teams on that top line. And to me, for that to happen, a lot needs to go wrong. Villanova has to lose their tournament. Kansas has to not win their tournament. Oklahoma can't win their tournament because basically whoever, if Kansas or Oklahoma wins the Big 12, they're getting a one seed. One of those teams is getting the one seed if they win the conference tournament. You also have teams like Virginia can't win it if North Carolina doesn't. But to me, the best way is you just win your tournament because Michigan State currently on the two line. They win the Big Ten. They could be a one seed. Another team that I saw today on ESPN, there was an article, it was plain and simple, if Oregon wins the Pac-12, could Oregon be a one seed? Oregon's a two seed right now in the West region for Joe Lenardi. Mind-blowing. And I say mind-blowing because... Sean Anderson here of MVP, when you ask him, oh, who's your, who's usually your uh, sleeper team? He goes, Oregon. I always pick Oregon. But to me, the best way for the Tar Heels to get that one seed is to win out. They have to win their next couple of games. And to me, I feel like Pitt or Syracuse, whoever they have, they're going to win easily. The next round... I would love to see them play Duke again, but I kind of, I think Notre Dame can beat Duke. And I think we'll see another North Carolina, Notre Dame. I feel like we'll see North Carolina, Notre Dame, Virginia, Miami. That's what I'm feeling right now. And then based on that point, I would love to see Virginia, North Carolina, but I, I would lean towards North Carolina, Miami in the championship game. So you don't think that we would see a North Carolina and a Virginia come out of the ACC is no. Whoever wins the the whoever wins the tournament will get the one seed. The loser will get the two seed because a lot of things a lot of things go into it. And the only way we get both of them as one seeds if Michigan State, Oregon, and Oklahoma implode. 
and Kansas does not win the Big 12. I don't see those things happening. I just don't see it. Because Michigan State right now, they're picking up a lot of a lot of steam. Denzel Washington came out and basically predicted call the championship for the Spartans. Denzel Valentine? Denzel Valentine. I said Denzel Washington. I love training day. One who does, who honestly who doesn't? doesn't love training day? But he came out Valentine, not Washington. Denzel Valentine came out, called it, said, you know what? Boom. Michigan State going to win a championship. They're on a run. Oregon's on a run. If you're North Carolina, you want the one seed, you win the ACC tournament. That's how you get it. I think that North Carolina, you know, about it was either probably a week or, or maybe even two ago, I I was thinking it was going to be Virginia, but I really do think that after some of the wins here late that mm-hmm. we saw from North Carolina, and especially the win against Duke, I put a lot of stock into that game. I really think that North Carolina is getting a lot of steam mm-hmm. heading into this tournament, and I think that's huge. I think that is huge. It's also it's about being good, but it's about... Gaining steam and momentum at the right time. North Carolina is doing it right now, and they're currently, you know, they currently have the best record in their conference in the ACC, fourteen and four. Virginia right behind them. North Carolina or Virginia, either one of those teams, I think, are winning this mm-hmm. conference. They are. They are winning this conference tournament. I don't see how one of those teams doesn't do it. Hey, I, I gave you my choice. Right now, if I had to put any money on this tournament, I'm saying North Carolina and Miami in the championship. And you see that matchup, and that is in favor of the Tar Heels. Virginia, to me, are they a good team? Yeah, they are. I just feel like if Virginia goes up against Miami in a neutral site, Miami's going to get the upset. That's why with North Carolina Duke... That's a game, I mean, Duke, of course, has to, has to either beat NC State or Wake Forest to possibly get to Notre Dame. But if we see four Notre Dame go up against five Duke, that's another upset-worthy kind of performance. I think the team from the ACC, we got to talk about it, Boston College. They haven't won a single game in the haven't ACC. Haven't won an ACC what they, game. What if they run the table, win it all? Get a bid to March Madness. Probably ain't going to happen. If they, if they did that, I would have, I think, all the confidence in the world that I could change water into wine. <laughs> that's just, that's the, how that's ne- how I think about that. The next that. Jesus Christ? Is that, is that what you're saying? No, but in training, possibly. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, Boston College, they ain't going to win the ACC. If you don't know, that was a joke. Go to be quite your, honest. Go get your humor checked. To be quite honest with you, I am, I still think it's really really nice that they even allowed Boston College to be in the ACC tournament uh, seen as they have not been uh, anywhere in the ACC uh, this season. Well, there's a couple of tournament conference tournaments. The um, the Ohio Valley Conference is one of them, and I bring them up because Austin P, who was 18-17, and 7-9 in the conference this season, received the automatic bid from the Ohio Valley Conference, and the story about them was they had to win on the last day of the regular season just to get the eighth seed, which is the last seed in that tournament. They had to win on that day just to get in, and then they ran the table and won the OVC. 
to go to March Madness. They'll probably be a 16 seed, probably a play-in 16, but we're going to see the governors from Austin P in March Madness. I think you may be one of the only people who's excited. excited about that, but you know what we will uh, we'll let you be. We will let you be. Do you think North Carolina, before we get to Northern Iowa in a little bit, last thing to kind of round out North Carolina, do they run the table? Do they win the ACC tournament? You know, I think they will. I, I think that North Carolina definitely will do that right now. You, you've got this team peaking, you know, right now. I, I, I think that you win against Duke at Duke, for the first time for some of these kids, that's incredible. That that alone will help propel you to new heights. If you saw Roy Williams and his mm-hmm. guys after that game, the excitement and just the camaraderie that he has with his players and they have with their coach, it's incredible. This team is going to win the ACC tournament. I expect it, fully expect it. I'm looking forward to it, and it's going to be a good ride, baby. So strap yourself in and get the popcorn ready. It's going to be good. Well, Brandon, now we're going to move over to a team that is actually locked into the 2016 NCAA tournament. They got the automatic bid for winning the Missouri Valley Conference 22-12 and on the year, beat Evansville. On a last-second two-point game winner, Northern Iowa is now in the tournament. And we're basically talking about plain and simple, Brandon. I'll get right to it. Can the Panthers be Cinderella again in March Madness? Yeah, they absolutely can. This Northern Iowa team has been so good this year. I mean, they have been very, very good in the Missouri Valley Conference the wins, some of the wins they've had this season. They beat number one at the time, North Carolina, third game of the season. They beat number five at the time, Iowa State. I mean, some of those two wins alone are huge. They beat Wichita State, who was number 25 at the time. And poor Evansville. Evansville played him three times this year, lost all three times. They tried. They they Evansville the first time they lost fifty seven to fifty four. Second time fifty four to fifty two. And the third time fifty six to fifty four. That is incredible. Every single one of those games close as can be. This Northern Iowa team, though, they find a way to win. And teams that find a way to win are dangerous in the tournament. And here we are, baby. Just about there. And the last time I just looked up a little bit of history on Northern Iowa, this is their first appearance in March Madness since 2015. They did go in last year. They lost to Louisville in the second round. However, the one I was looking for was their 2010 appearance because that was the one where they had won the most games. Overall, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This will be their eighth ticket punched to the March Madness tournament. But 2010 was the special one. And I say that because they came in as a nine seed and they played UNLV. They were in the Midwest region. The number one seed at the time was Kansas. The number two seed at the time was 
Ohio State. I want to say that was the Jared Selinger Ohio State team back in 2010. But here's what Iowa, Northern Iowa did. Nine seed, Northern Iowa, beats UNLV, the eight seed, 69 to 66. Okay, that's cool. They're going to go on and they're going to lose to Kansas in the next round, right? Kansas had just beaten 16 Lehigh. Not, as Brandon usually says, double not so fast. Northern Iowa upsets number one seeded Kansas 69 to 67 and then lost in the Sweet 16 in St. Louis 59-52 to Tom Izzo's Michigan State Spartans who eventually went on to the Final Four to lose to Butler. That was the year that Gordon Hayward was with Butler and they lost to Duke 61-59 to in the National Championship. The National Trophy? The National Trophy, as Phyllis from Mulga would say. God bless her. But folks... This is a team that is, they're, they're scary, they're good, they've been mm-hmm. here before. That's the thing, too, is that, like, this is not the first time for you and I. A lot of people probably well, may it, have thought that back at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. Uh, Northern Iowa beat North Carolina. Who in the hell is Northern mm-hmm. Iowa? Well, now people are going, holy crap, you do not want to play Northern Iowa right now. I would not want to play Northern Iowa if I was that three seed in the tournament because right now Northern Iowa projected by Joe Lenardi to be a 14 seed and they're a 14 seed who may be making an upset game one. Well, and we say making an upset game one because you forgot to tell everyone who they'd be playing in the first round. It depends because on, I knew that you wanted to yeah. tell them Ricky well, Bobby. It depends on what this team does in the big 10 tournament, but they'd put, they'd be playing Indiana. And Indiana's been doing good this season, but I hope we get a matchup like that. Northern Iowa against one of those higher teams in the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the ACC. Because I think they, they can make an upset. They could definitely make an upset. And I'm I'm looking back to the rosters for the, the teams in 2010 in case you're like, man, Ricky, who was playing in 2010 the last time Northern Iowa made a serious run? Tom, this was when Thomas Robinson, Jeff Whitehe, Elijah Johnson, and the Morris Twins were on Kansas. That's the Kansas team that it, they upset in the second round of the NCAA tournament. As for that Ohio State team, that's the one that had Evan Turner on it. It had William uh, Buford. It had um, David Lightley. You had Danny Peters. But Evan, that was Evan Turner's Ohio State Buckeyes. Oh, yeah. That eventually didn't go anywhere because they're Ohio State. But, no, I'm kidding. That Kansas team was the one that Northern Iowa upset it. And that was just, like, this team, although it's not the same players because the players from 2010 are graduated and long gone. Some of them may be in the NBA. Who knows? Maybe the D-League. But this team has the same potential to be as special as that 2010 team. Maybe even go further. Maybe be George Mason-like. I think they do. I really think they do. They clearly showed it because they have that it factor. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing, is that a lot of these guys, you look at them and you'll look through their lineup and you'll go, oh, I don't really know who that is. Uh, Who's that? Well, they can score on you. That's the thing. 
that's the thing that's going to make people take a look at Northern Iowa because they can score, they can score in a hurry, and they just make the clutch shots. Mm -hmm. And right now, going into March Madness, it's never about who is the best team. It's about who's the hottest team. Northern Iowa right now may be one of the hottest teams out there. And a big part of that, a big part of that was because of the huge buzzer beater, Wes Washpin, yesterday. And I'm looking at it right now, and I'm going to make my point first before I bring up this name that I forgot existed. And I'm like, oh, my God, I remember that shot that he took in the NCAA tournament in 2010. But I'm looking at the stats, and the biggest thing that jumps out to me between these two teams. In 2010, we had three guys, 11.9, 11.7, 10.6, were the leading points per game for Northern Iowa. This year, they have four guys in double digits, 14.3, 11.8, 10.7, 10.4. They got one extra guy this year averaging double digits. So if they only needed three in 2010 and went to the Sweet 16, there's a possibility that this Northern Iowa team can do the same thing this year and there's one guy I completely forgot about, and I'm going to mess up this last name. I hope you can remember it and help me out, either Brandon or you guys in the comment section. Ali Farokmanashin. He's the one that hit that big shot. It was, what, with 30 seconds left in that Kansas game? Yeah. To put him up by— Put him up four. Oh, I think that was up four over Kansas with 30 seconds. And he was the one where he was just standing there, and he's like, whatever, up— I'm open. I'm open. I'm just going to take it. Oh, what a crazy, what a crazy game that was. Why? March Madness. But it's March Madness. That's all it is. What a game. And I think we're going to see more of that from Northern Iowa in this year's NCAA tournament. And boy, Ricky, I am really, I'm getting the itch. I can't wait for it. I'm getting the itch. I'm so excited. I cannot wait for March Madness this season. But before I wrap it up, Brandon, I got one last question for you about the Northern Iowa Panthers. Right now, Joe Lenardi has them as a 14th seed in March Madness. They would be in the Midwest region, so if they made it to the Sweet 16, we'd be seeing them on March 25th as we're going to be at the UC for those two games. What seed do you think they ultimately get? They have their ticket punched. Based on what's going to go on this week, does their seed improve or fall based on what happens with other teams? You know, I think they might be pretty much locked in right there at a 14. Maybe they get a 13 seed, but I I I, I don't I think 14 is probably pretty accurate for them right now. Okay. I think that right now it's really hard for a team that's already punched their ticket. They got no games left to play to really improve their stock. However, the committee can basically do whatever they want on selection Sunday, which is March 13th, but that is going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. Go ahead, if you're on SoundCloud, hit that heart and repost button. Also, give us a follow if you have not already. If you're on YouTube, first off, hit that subscribe button. Make sure you're following everything that we have on our YouTube page. Then hit that like button as well right on this video. Thank you guys for checking out the podcast. You can check me out on Twitter at Ricky Widmer. Brandon is at Young underscore Swan. 19 most valuable podcast is at most valuable pod you can also check out most valuable we're gonna have a new blog coming to the website 
called Diary of a Mustached Sports Writer. So be on the look for that one. We've got John Akron's going to be the writer for that blog series. It's going to be really cool on MostValuablePodcast.com. Thank you again you for may, checking this one out. You may never out. know if he actually has a mustache or you not. He could know. be lying to you. So, I would, folks, if I were you, I would do some investigative <laughs> uh, research and, and figure out if he's got a mustache or not because that's just not right if he doesn't. Thank you guys for checking out this podcast. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.